It began over 5,000 years ago when civilization was young. Every major culture, Egypt, Greece, Rome, India, Japan, studied it, practiced it, perfected it to a fine art. They admired its Olympian demands, strength, speed, agility, skill, grace, and courage. They did it to honor their gods, they did it to honor their kings, they did it to train their soldiers, they did it to compete, and they did it for fun. It has come down through the ages to us today. It is Coliseum Corner, the wrestling podcast where each and every Coliseum home video is reviewed. From the personalities and specialties to the best of the WWF and even the Collector Series. If you're looking for reviews of WrestleMania, Survivor Series, Royal Rumbles, and SummerSlams, then look somewhere else because this is a trip down memory lane of your favorite videos. We review the good, the bad, and even sometimes the awful. Join Bill as he takes us down a memory lane adventure the likes of which no podcast has ever gone before. So sit back, relax, and listen to this fantastic podcast that we call Coliseum Corner. And here is Bill to start the show right now. Hello everybody and welcome to Coliseum Corner, the wrestling podcast that takes a look at all of the Coliseum videos. I'm your host, Bill Yankovey, and today I dive into the beginning of Series 3 in the official World Wrestling Federation Coliseum Video Library. Today, going to be taking a look at a very interesting videotape, to say the least. This is the seventh uh, videotape released in the Coliseum Video Series and the third in the specialty category. Today I will be talking about the biggest, the smallest, the strangest, and the strongest. So you can pretty much tell by how I just described everything, this videotape is broken down into four separate categories. You have the biggest, you have the smallest, you have the strangest, and you have the strongest. Now. What would make Coliseum Video and the World Wrestling Federation do a video like this? Well, it's a good way to show off the vast talent that has been in the World Wrestling Federation at this point in time of literally all sizes and from all over the world. And you're going to see that in this videotape. So with that in mind... Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into this tape here on Coliseum Corner, the WWF's biggest, smallest, strangest, strongest. The video cassette is hosted by Jesse the Body Ventura. This is the second video that Jesse Ventura would host. And he talks about how Coliseum Video got it right on the last videotape that he was a part of, the WWF's most unusual matches for picking him as the host for being, well, unusual. And to a degree, he's got a good point. So they have brought him back to do another video cassette talking about, well, what I've just mentioned the biggest, 
the smallest, the strangest, and the strongest. So let's jump right into it and get to the biggest wrestlers. Some of the big guys of the World Wrestling Federation. In the ring is Samoa number 3, a.k.a. Samu, who is at a very respectable 6 foot 4. However, the gentleman that he faces not only is taller than him, but outweighs him by close to 100 pounds. That individual, the 8th wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. So we get a few minutes of the match between Andre the Giant and Samoan number 3, and we see at one point Samoan number 3 doing, well, uh, not really a cardinal sin, but it is a sin against Andre the Giant, and that is going behind him into a waist lock, because Andre would use his hips and would use it to get Samu off of him. Now we take a look at another big man of the business, and that is Bobo Brazil. Now this video clip that is in the tape is from 1964 and was used in the last videotape that I reviewed, The Best of the WWF Volume 2. So we do get to see highlights of a match with Bobo Brazil and Classy Freddy Blassie. Now Bobo Brazil is a very interesting figure because here... In this point in time, he is six foot eight and weighs over 300 pounds. I think it's safe to say if Bobo Brazil had been around in any other era of professional wrestling, he would be very much over based on his height and his athleticism. Then we take a look at perhaps, or at least at this point in time, the biggest professional wrestler going, Haystacks Calhoun. Haystacks Calhoun weighed up to 601 pounds in his career as a professional wrestler. And as a teenager, by the time he got to the age of 13 years old, he weighed 300 pounds. Think about that. A 12, 13-year-old boy weighs 300 pounds. But he would eventually, like I said, get to 601 pounds. And he had a size 63 waist. That is a very, very big man. Then we go to another big guy, and I'm talking about Ernie Ladd, the big cat. Now, some of you might know this, and for some of our younger listeners, you might not know this, but at one point, Ernie Ladd was a professional football player playing in the American Football League, and during his off-season, would transition to becoming a professional wrestler, and then became a professional wrestler full-time. Here, in this clip, he takes on two men by himself in a handicap match, and Ernie Ladd one of the more underrated giants, in my opinion, in professional wrestling. Now, being the biggest doesn't necessarily mean that you're the tallest guy, or in the case of Haystacks Calhoun, you're the biggest, fattest guy. It could also mean that you're wide and you're thick, which is the case for Ivan Koloff. Now, Ivan Koloff, while he probably weighed no more than 270, 275 pounds, 
was a very, very big man and a strong man as well. And as history has shown on many, many occasions, and I've mentioned it in the past, Ivan Koloff is the man that defeated Bruno San Martino to end the seven and a half year reign as heavyweight champion in the WWF. Now we get to Gorilla Monsoon, one of the all-time greats in professional wrestling, both in the ring and out of the ring as a commentator. But we're focusing here on in the ring. Now, Gorilla weighed well over 400 pounds, and going to get to his weight in a little bit in just a few minutes in this section on the biggest wrestlers. So here we have a clip of Gorilla Monsoon wrestling the Wolfman, and we're going to see the Wolfman again in just a little bit, but I wanted to talk about Gorilla because for his size at over 400 pounds, he really could move in the ring. So size can be very deceiving. Then we take a look at a real tough Texan, Black Jack Mulligan, who appears on Piper's Pit and basically confronts Piper and says that he doesn't like Roddy Piper, calling him a polecat, whatever a polecat is. Then we take a look at two more big men. First, Big John Stud, six foot ten, over 360 pounds, at this time managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan. Now on this clip, he challenges heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan, who is by no means a short man. He is six foot eight, 310 pounds. Although, Jesse Ventura does call him the incredible chump, Hogan. I, um, I noticed some animosity there from Jesse the Body Ventura. But this clip is from the Hulkamania videotape, which I reviewed many, many, many months ago, many shows ago, as a matter of fact, where you could get my full review of the match. But we do get a few minutes of clips from this match, including Hulk Hogan attempting to body slam Big John Studd. Then we go to another wrestler, another famous wrestler, Russian wrestler Nikolai Volkov, who is another strong man, you could say, although he's not in the strongest department in this videotape, but is at 310 pounds, well over 6'7", 6'8", and we get to see his feat of strength in a tag team match where he hoists his opponent up in the air before giving him a backbreaker to get the three count in the victory for his team teaming up with the Iron Sheik. Now we get into some of the newest additions to the big men category at this point in time, and we start with King Kong Bundy. Weighing at over 450 pounds, King Kong Bundy could move at a fast rate. So we get a clip of him in a match with Tony Guerrilla, and Gene Okerlund is commentating with Gorilla Monsoon, and he asks Gorilla, When you wrestled, what was what was your heaviest weight? What was your highest weight? How much did you weigh the most at, a, at, at any time during your career? To which Gorilla says that he weighed 440 pounds. So he asks Gorilla, 
if King Kong Bundy weighs 458 pounds, which is the weight that Bundy is announced at. And Gorilla vehemently right away says, no, that man weighs over 500 pounds. And they talk about, and this is one of the great things about, you know, these old clips is, you know, you do remember some of these conversations where it's like Gorilla talks about, where do you go to get weighed at that size? Do you go to a, you know, do you get on a meat scale? Do you go to a, you know, a truck stop and you weigh yourself there? Your typical classic Gorilla Monsoon. Our next big man is Hillbilly Jim. And we find out on this segment or this clip that in the next series of Coliseum video releases, Hillbilly Jim will be getting a video release of his own Wrestling's Country Boys, which involves him and Uncle Elmer. Get to that at the end of this review. So we get to see Hillbilly Jim in action here against Rene Goulet, and Hillbilly Jim pretty much dominating Goulet, and we get the end of the match where Goulet attempts some move from the top rope, but Hillbilly Jim grabs him and puts him in a bear hug and basically squeezes Rene Goulet into submission. Then we go to an episode of Piper's Pit where Hillbilly Jim introduces the world to Uncle Elmer. Now Uncle Elmer comes in and Roddy Piper tries to be nice and he's like, well, any friend of yours is a friend of mine. To which Uncle Elmer's like, get your hands off me. And then we get to see Uncle Elmer uh, go around ringside, greeting the fans, saying hi to everyone. So now we move from the biggest to the smallest. And yes, we are talking about the midget wrestlers. So here, we uh, Jesse gives a very good description on these wrestlers, saying how despite their size, they're not only very fast, and they are entertaining, but some of them can be very strong. Even at one point, Gorilla Monsoon told Ventura of a story of Frenchie Lamont, a name you're going to hear in just a little bit, to where Frenchie Lamont came underneath the legs of Gorilla Monsoon, picked him up in a fireman's carry position, and basically carried him around the room. Now remember, Gorilla Monsoon did weigh over 400 pounds. Now, during that description, we did get a clip of a tag match between Ivan the Terrible and, yeah, Ivan the Terrible and Billy the Kid against Butch Cassidy and Tiny Tom. Which then leads us to another uh, midget tag match where we have Tiger Jackson and the Haiti Kid taking on Poncho Boy and Dana Carpenter. Now, some of you are probably wondering. Hey, I've heard the name Tiger Jackson before. Well, Tiger Jackson would eventually, many years later, become Dink. Doink the Clown's little buddy. So we get some highlights of this tag match with Tiger Jackson and Haiti Kid against Poncho Boy and Dana Carpenter. And we get, we get some good action. Now, Dana Carpenter... It's a very interesting case because while he is considered a midget wrestler, is almost as tall as the referee Gilberto Roman um, in this match. So he's, you know, right there 
on the he could pass as a regular size wrestler, but he could also be a smaller wrestler. So at the end of the match, Tiger Jackson does a weird variation of a head scissors on the poncho boy, and then Tiger Jackson climbs up, hits a splash, and gets the three count on poncho boy. So now we go back to Madison Square Garden with another tag team match. Here we have two of the most legendary midget wrestlers of all time, maybe the two greatest of all time, depending on where you want to look at it, Sky Lolo and Little Beaver. They are in respective teams in this match, Sky Lolo teaming up with Butch Cassidy and Little Beaver teaming up with Sonny Boy. So we get some clips of the match. Um, Little Beaver tries to explain to the referee again, Gilberto Roman, that Butch Cassidy was doing an illegal move. So he explains to the ref that what Sonny Boy was doing when he had Butch in a headlock, he hit him open-handed. But when Butch had Sonny Boy in a side headlock, he punched him in the head, to which Little Beaver punches the referee in the head. So then we move on and Butch Cassidy has a move on Sonny Boy. And at first, Butch Cassidy is biting the foot of Sonny Boy. But Sonny Boy eventually is able to get himself up, pull himself up, and he bites the butt of Butch Cassidy to where we get respective tags into Sky Low Low and the Little Beaver. And Little Beaver ends up scoring a fall on Sky Low Low. And then we get one more clip, and this is a t another tag team match, where here we have Little Joey and Frenchie Lamont, Frenchie Lamont mentioned a little earlier, taking on the team of Little Brutus and Sky Lolo. They were uh, shown on the last videotape review, Best of the WWF Volume 2. So we get some very good back-and-forth action in this match, and you could tell that there is chemistry with all four of these guys and how they could use the psychology into their advantage. They would you do the uh, little Joey's gonna get the tag, but here comes little Brutus to break it up, distracts the referee. Joey tags Frenchie Lamont, but the referee doesn't see the tag, and it's just good storytelling. And when Frenchie Lamont does get in the ring, he is a house of fire, and He's taking down Little Brutus. He's taking down Sky Low Low. He's just going right to town on everyone. But Little Brutus eventually does catch Frenchie Lamont. And he is able to take him down. And while he does get a pin, Little Brutus gets a handful of tights. Just to make sure that his team gets the three count and the victory. So now we go to the strangest wrestlers, and this is a fun segment here to say the least. So we start off with the Rugged Russians. Probably don't hear about them very much, but let's dive into it. They had a manager who would do the Russian dance, and in this clip he gets chased out of, out of, the, uh, out of the ring. Pardon me. Now the Rugged Russians... To get prepared for their match, would eat raw garlic. 
No, you're not hearing that wrong, folks. The rugged Russians would eat raw garlic. And it is because of that that the other wrestlers requested to the fine people in Madison Square Garden to give the rugged Russians their own locker room because nobody wanted to share a locker room with them. Remember I mentioned earlier about Gorilla Monsoon, we saw a clip with him in action? Well, we're going to talk about his opponent from that match, the Wolfman, wearing a loincloth, and he's got long hair, and you could say he's a bit on the strange side, to say the least, but he is a brawler, a fighter, and in some cases, a biter. Another strange individual that should be brought up is Pompero Furpo, the wild bull. Now, while Pompero Furpo may look like a strange dude and a rugged individual, he's also a very intelligent man. He could speak up to six different languages, but his best way of communicating was in the ring. Now we go to highlights of a match with Crazy Luke Graham, who, in this story world is related to superstar Billy Graham and is managed by the legendary Grand Wizard of Wrestling. So we get an interview segment with the Grand Wizard, Crazy Luke Graham and Vince McMahon. And this is a really good interview segment, I do have to admit. I enjoyed this segment. Um, with this, um, the Grand Wizard talks about how Crazy Luke Graham is the number one contender to the world title held by Bob Backlund. Luke Graham says that he's going to bring the belt back into the camp, into the family. And we talk about how, in this segment, how um, Vince McMahon saw during the match that Luke Graham had a foreign object in his pocket, in, in his trunks, pulled it out onto, the refer or onto his opponent. And he said a far less superior opponent for Luke Graham to wrestle. To which the Grand Wizard replies, I'm not trying to be a medical expert. I'm not trying to offend the AMA, the American Medical Association. But you should get your eyes examined, Mr. McMahon. And he does call him Mr. McMahon throughout this interview, which is pretty funny. Um, and then there's another good part in this where McMahon questions the fan base of Crazy Lou Graham because there's a sign that says the Grand Wizard, the manager of champions. And it's really good because uh, the Wizard's reply is, I saw your mail order for commentator and announcer of the year, to which Vince says, oh, there is no such thing. I did not receive that award. And Grand Wizard is, yes, I did. I saw the mail order. It should be coming in the mail within a few weeks. It's just a really good segment. And it ends with um, the Grand Wizard going off saying, I'm a genius. Luke is a genius. The superstar is a genius. You know what you are, McMahon. God, I love the Grand Wizard. That's some good stuff. And then we go to 
Mad Dog Vashon, truly one of the strangest of all time. Uh, here we have a clip of him in Minnesota where he is beloved. This is AWA territory, but WWF is invading at this point in time. And the Mad Dog is getting a huge ovation from the Minnesota crowd as he is taking on Bobby Colt in this match. And Bobby Colt sneak attacks Mad Dog Vashon to start the match. Not quite the best idea right there, Mr. Colt. Then we go to a segment from TNT. Now, this is where we're starting to get into segments of TNT. And surprisingly, we don't get a lot on this tape, which is okay. Not that I have a problem with the TNT show, but it's just weird that we're about halfway through the videotape, almost halfway through the videotape, and we haven't had a clip from the TNT show. So, the setup here is... Lord Alfred Hayes had invited some people over for some tea. He invited the British Bulldogs. Vince McMahon is obviously there because he's the host of the show. And he invited Mr. Fuji. What Lord Alfred Hayes did not realize was that Mr. Fuji was going to bring a guest of his own, which happened to be Moondog Spot. Now, Moondog Spot starts being a rude guest and he starts eating up the little crumpets and cookies and Mr. Fuji stops him at first and then Mr. Fuji goes into this whole this whole tirade about how disrespectful this whole party was the dishes are English dishes which are not good they should have been Japanese dishes the tea is not that good it should have been Japanese tea Japanese tea is far superior and he tells Moondog Spot to just basically destroy everything ruin this lavish party that Lord Alfred Hayes had set up so now we go to another wrestler. We talk about Mil Mascaris, the man of a thousand masks. Uh, never wears the same mask twice. And how at this point in time, we only see Mil Mascaris in Battle Royals. But Mil Mascaris is a legend in the business. Speaking of legends, that leads us to Captain Lou Albano. And we get a variety of highlights of Captain Lou in action. And we get the great quote from Gorilla Monsoon where he calls Lou Albano the greatest walking advertisement for birth control he has ever seen. And then we talked about how we had a dancing manager. Well, how about a singing wrestler? We get Nikolai Volkov's rendition of the Soviet national anthem from the very first WrestleMania in its entirety. And then we devote a whole montage to fashion, the stranger side of fashion. And it's a compilation of, well, just listen to the names that are in this section. Obviously, it starts with Jesse Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon. Then we get the likes of Iron Sheik, Hulk Hogan. Roddy Roddy Piper, Greg Valentine, Captain Lou Albano, Jimmy Hart, Bobby the Brain Heenan, the Moondogs, Cindy Lauper, and a whole host of others in this segment. 
Then we go back to the TNT show and we go to Bobby Heenan, John Studd, and Ken Patera. Now, what we get here is very interesting because Bobby Heenan, little did we know, has a passion for being a, a hair designer, being a barber. So they take this random gentleman who looks like he hasn't had his hair done in forever. He hasn't had his hair done in a very, very long time. And they take this poor guy who's already sitting in the barber's chair. And they get him set up. They, you know, they got the robe on and to protect his clothing. And then they tie him up in the chair with a rope. Then we fast forward a little bit in this segment. And they're just pouring all this stuff on this poor guy. There's shampoo. It looks like there's powder involved. They're just getting this guy all messed up and... I love the the line by Vince McMahon. He's like, this guy's probably never going to volunteer again in his life. That's just a very funny line. This poor guy just gets it. I mean, he just... <laughs> that I hope that man got paid a lot of money to do that segment. Now we get a quick look at the latest of the women, Mad Maxine. And this, surprisingly, is the only time we ever see Mad Maxine on any of the Coliseum videos because she doesn't last long in the World Wrestling Federation. Now we go back to Bobby Heenan who is with the Missing Link and they are in their cave or at least the Missing Link's cave and they talk about how they travel the Missing Link, how they get the Missing Link all across the country and Bobby Heenan says, it's not really that cheap. I mean, you're bringing a cave, and when wherever he's got to go, if he's got to be there, he's got to be there. So they try to get a word with the Missing Link, and Missing Link does this monster sound, sound effect, and it scares the Missing Link. And what a better way to end up this segment on the strangest wrestlers than with George the Animal Steel. So George the Animal Steel, we see him in a clip of a match against Steve Lombardi where he is eating the turnbuckle. He's going turnbuckle after turnbuckle, getting the stuffing out of the turnbuckles, using them on Steve Lombardi and just beating up Steve Lombardi. He's embarrassing the poor lad. I mean, it's just... It's not even a contest. So now we go to our final segment on the videotape, the strongest. Now, we are given a warning by Jesse the Body Ventura, and this warning still holds true to this day, that the feats of strength that you are about to see should not be tried by anyone at home, especially you younger fans out there, you may see this and you may be like, oh, I want to give this a try. Not so fast. You shouldn't really be trying these. So we start off with a clip of Beppo Mongol, who's in a match with Bruno Sammartino in Madison Square Garden. And we get a quick highlight of this match and Beppo ends up knocking Bruno Sammartino out of the ring. 
now we go to an underrated um, event. An arm wrestling challenge between the Polish power Ivan Putski, or as Jesse Ventura calls him, Ivan Paduski, and Jesse the Body Ventura. Now, this is a very good segment. I've really enjoyed this segment because um, Jesse comes out last and he's being a prima donna. So they get ready, they get set up to do the challenge. So they lock hands. And the referee's counting. Three, two, one. And just before he could get to one, Ventura pulls his hand out of there. So, you know, he's getting himself warmed up. He's getting ready. Okay, so we're going to give this a second try. We're going to give this a second try. Three, two, one. Ventura pulls his hand out of there again, which makes Ivan Putski upset. And you can clearly read... Uh, the words that are coming out of his mouth, and they're not very appropriate, to say the least. So, we go for a third attempt to start the arm wrestling contest. Three, two, one. But this time, Putski pulls his hand out, and this gets Jesse Ventura irate, and this gets the fans very excited about this. So... After all the shenanigans, on the fourth attempt to start this arm wrestling challenge, we get the arm wrestling match. So at first, Jesse Ventura has the advantage, and he's trying to pull Putski down. But Putski is starting to make his way back, and it looks like he's got the advantage. When... Jesse Ventura uses his free hand to grab the table and to bring Putski's arm back over, and he now has the advantage. And the referee didn't see Ventura doing that. So, we try again. Ventura's got control. Putski's starting to take over, and it looks like it's going to be a victory for Putski and Ventura for the second time grabs the table and brings the arm of Putski back over to his advantage. And, you know, the, the referee is starting to question if, you know, what he did was legal. So, Putski then makes a third comeback. He's trying to get him. He may finally get Ventura. And Ventura all of a sudden yanks Putski onto the table and he starts beating him up, and he hits him a few times with a steel chair to basically knock Putski out. And I love Ventura's reply. He's like, you see, Paduski was doing all the cheating the entire time during the match. It's a good thing the body was there to make sure that everything went right. Oh, that's good. That's just good stuff. So now we go to the TNT show, and we see the Iron Sheik, and he's got his Persian clubs. Now, this has been, this demonstration has been done many, many times wherever the Iron Sheik has gone territory by territory, and he swings his clubs around and around and around behind his back. And the, the thing always was, he challenged any athlete to do this. And he said that if any athlete could do this, 
the Iron Sheik would do double what that said athlete did or he would pay them $20,000. I would have loved to have seen somebody at least attempt that to see how it would have gone. I would have liked to have seen that. So now we go to the TNT show, and or well, we stay with the TNT show, and now we have Big John Stud, and we're going to see him doing bench pressing. Now, this is, in, this is an interesting segment, but really well done. Because Big John Stud is going to do a practice lift. So this practice lift is about 630 pounds. So he, you know, gets a... And this is really good because Vince is like, All right, I'll help you. You're not helping me. You're being a spotter. You're going to spot me. And I love how John just corrects Vince. It's really funny. So he gets the lift of 630. Now he's going to attempt the unofficial world record, the unofficial bench press world record, which at the time is 686 pounds. So Big John Stud is going to do a 700-pound bench press. 700 pounds. So, you know, Vince is hyping it up and doing all that. So, we get the attempt. Big John says it's a lousy lift. He gets it down. He's got it halfway. He tries to lift up, but he just can't quite get it. He can't get the 700-pound lift, and he blames Vince, and he blames the other spotter. For the lousy lift that started it. And he asks to do another try. And Vince just won't let him. Because of time reason. So we go a little further. Because Bruno Sammartino is there. And he's being interviewed by Vince McMahon. And Big John Stud comes back out. And he wants another shot at the bench press record. And... You know, he even sees Bruno San Martino, and he says, Bruno, you know strength. You, you know, you know, uh, bench pressing. Why don't you be a spotter for me? To which Vince asks Bruno, are you sure you want to do this? This is your time on the show. So Bruno asks, you know, what what's the attempt? And it's 700 pounds. So Bruno has legitimately lifted 565 pounds. That is a, that is a legitimate lift that he has done he's never seen anyone do 600 pounds he's never seen anyone do 700 pounds so he'll go so as they're prepping for this vince asks big john stud what do you think about when you do this lift when you do all these weight lifts and big john stud sits up for a minute and he says he thinks about nothing but the weight and the lift so, they get it set up. Not a good lift, according to Big John. He brings it down, and he brings it back up to have the unofficial bench press record of 700 pounds. Now, I did a little bit of research, because I was curious watching this segment. What is 
the world bench press record. What is, as of this recording, the world bench press record? Well, the current world bench press record is held by a gentleman by the name of Ryan Kennelly, who pressed 1,075 pounds. He did this on November the 8th, 2008. So as of this recording, this record has, has stayed for 10 plus years. Now, for those of you who want to use the metric system, he bench pressed 487 kilograms for our foreign listeners. But yeah, over a thousand pounds. I, I can't imagine doing that. I really can't. So, for our finale, we go to Ken Patera, who, legitimate strongman, competed in the 1972 Olympic Games, won a bronze for the United States. And we get a series of him doing feats of strength. So the first one that he does is he takes a six-inch spike. And he takes the spike, he puts it in between his fingers. And he goes on to jam it into this piece of walnut wood. It's a four-by-four four walnut wood. And he jams it in there so the next thing he does is he takes what, what looks like a screw or a bolt or something I couldn't really quite tell and he bends he bends it and what's interesting is he puts it in a towel but he still bends it maybe he just needed the towel for extra support I don't know and then for the final part he takes a water bottle and he's going to blow air into it and he's going to keep doing it until it pops. Now, if you watch this clip very carefully, and I mean very carefully, at the very end, you could see Patera has something in his hand, something in his finger, and he's able to pop the the hot air bottle and now we go to Ken Patera one more time on the TNT show and he is going to hold back a 5200 pound moving vehicle with his feet now he asks Vince McMahon if he would be the driver now, Vince is very hesitant about this at first. And Ken Patera says to him, Vince, I will not sue you for anything. I will leave all liability. If I get hurt, it's not your fault. So Vince begrudgingly accepts to be the driver for this. To which Ken Patera asks him, Are you are you, you know a little jittery? Are you nervous? To which Vince is, of course I am. A fool wouldn't want to. A fool wouldn't be nervous. So Vince gets in, and Lord Alfred Hayes has this funny line of, "I've been in the car with him. He he drives at about a hundred miles an hour. He's he's very you know dangerous behind the wheel." So Campatera is explaining what's going on, what's going to happen. Vince is getting very irritated, nervous. However you want to put the emotions in on this. 
He's driving up slowly. He's honking the horn like a maniac on 95 or I-66, depending on where you live. So, Patera gets himself set up. He gets his belt ready. He's got a pillow. It's gonna. He's going to put this pillow behind him in the back. And it's going to be placed on the wall. And he's got his feet up. And he's got his feet right where the front license plate of the van would be. Into the bumper. And he gives Vince the high sign. And they start. And you can hear the wheels going. And there's smoke coming out of the wheels. And eventually Ken, you know, gives him the high sign to stop. There's smoke everywhere. And... It's just insanity. And that leads us into the credits. But as always here, folks, on Coliseum Corner, I just don't leave you there. I tell you about the next three videotapes that are going to be released by Coliseum Video. We start with the best of the WWF Volume 4, which features Andre the Giant and Big John Studd in a steel cage match plus a 20-man battle royal, and a tag team match with Hulk Hogan, WWF chump, oops, I mean champ, Hulk Hogan, and Superfly Jimmy Snuka against Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and the Magnificent Morocco and more. Then, we get an entire videotape dedicated to the managers of wrestling. Captain Lou Albano, Luscious Johnny Valiant, Bobby the Brain Heenan, the Grand Wizard, Freddie Blassie, Jimmy Hart, and more. Finally, it's Wrestling's Country Boys. They call wrestling scuffling. And we take a look at Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer, and Cousin Luke in action. So your next three videotapes, the best of the WWF Volume 4, WWF Presents The Managers, and Wrestling's Country Boys. So, what did I think about WWF Wrestling's biggest, smallest, strangest, strongest? While there, there is no real particular theme of this, you could almost make a case that this is like the WWF's weirdest, if you wanted to call it that. This is a fun tape. This is an entertaining videotape. I like how they broke each word and they gave it its own section. They gave the biggest its own section. They gave the smallest its own section. They gave the strangest its own section. They gave the strongest its own section. And I really like how each part is given time. It really is. Because it's not like, oh, we'll do a couple of the biggest, then we'll go to the strangest, then we'll go back to the biggest, then we'll go to the strongest, then we'll go to the smallest, then we'll go back to the strongest. I I like how they paced this, and I thought they did a really good job basically just showcasing everything in this videotape. And overall, this this is, in a weird way, it may be sort of an educational video, but it's still a fun videotape to watch. I know this is on the WWE Network. However, I am doing these reviews watching the actual videotape. So you're never going to get me to do a review of the WWE Network version. Because I don't know if 
at any point they edit anything out from this videotape. If they do, you guys can let me know. But all in all, this is a fun videotape. I really enjoyed it. And if you guys get a chance, check this one out. I think you guys are going to really enjoy a unique perspective of the individuals in the World Wrestling Federation at this point in time. All right, going to do some quick plugs. Uh, you can follow That Wrestling Show on Twitter. It is Wrestling Show 11. You can follow me on Twitter if you want to, at House of Bill, and you can join our Facebook group, That Wrestling Show Fan Group. Type that in the search bar, and you are right there to join. And if you can't find it, it's okay. I put the link in the description box to where you guys could just click on the link, and you're right there. Next time around, I'm going to be diving into another personality, and this one truly is quite a personality because I will be reviewing Rowdy Roddy Piper's Greatest Hits. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Coliseum Corner, and until next time, I am Billy Ann Covey saying so long, everybody. <laughs>